0: good evening and welcome to another episode of the climate link up podcast spotlight my name is jeffrey Kosge, the climate link up host for africa and the founder of one child one tree initiative today i have steven mongela Moses, one of the speakers and the expert panelists at the upcoming climate link up african launch event that is scheduled to take place on first and second november Mr. Steven is the founder and CEO at Plus Farm Kenya Limited, an agri-tech business uh, startup that is based in Kenya. At uh, At Plus Farm Kenya, Steven helps advance access to technologies to small older farmers, as well as building resilience and inclusion in agricultural value chains. At Plus Farm Kenya, they have developed a Plus Farm Agribusiness Management System, PAMS, a knowledge based management software that helps farmers in data driven decision making for improving productivity and profitability. Stephen, it is such an honor having you today. Despite your busy schedule, you created time to be with us. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Jeff. Um, It's a pleasure to be here and and to be particularly talking about this particular very important topic.
0: Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Stephen. We are so honored. And um, uh, straight into one of the biggest issues that is currently facing Africa, climate change. The impact of climate change is raging. And predictable weather variability, we have shifting agricultural ecosystem boundaries, we have invasive insects, um, and more frequent extreme weather events. For instance, the current situation in the north, uh, in the Horn of Africa, and including Northern Kenya, which you are aware, and uh, UNICEF is currently estimating that close to 10 million children are facing malnutrition as a result of food insecurity. And currently, your organization is involved in training thousands of farmers in Kenya on sustainable agriculture. Stephen, I would like you to tell us, is a sustainable pathway to enhance food security possible for Africa?
1: Well, Jeff, I I think that's a very good question, first of all. And um, secondly, uh, I think it is, I believe, I strongly believe that a sustainable pathway to enhance food security is possible in Africa. And and I believe so because we have everything that we need to be able to put the situation, the dire situation, under control. And and I'll I'll, I'll go a little bit back and to um, what you mentioned about our work and, and training farmers and so on. Yes, please. Now um, that aspect of our work involves mostly awareness and and informing farmers and educating and, and linking the intersections between you know climate change and food productivity, as well as poverty and anger. And our job is usually to highlight how one action would lead to either a preferred outcome or unpreferred one, especially in the context of uh, food security and, and climate change. So I, I would say uh, working with these communities, we have in recent days realized that there's a really big hedge by farmers to Put the situation under control because obviously it goes without saying that farmers are suffering the most from this particular uh problem of climate change. And, and by so by saying that, I, I mean, we can clearly see the lack of, of food right now in Kenya and, and the dependence of on relief food and, and the skyrocketing food prices. So for us to be able to create sustainable sustainable food systems as we would like would love to i think we first of all need to bring uh, to the table the largest uh, group of farmers which is a small order of farmers especially in africa to the table and and, it, and and more of have a discussion on how we can build these systems not not just for for you know international trade and international um, export of food, but really most importantly for subsistence and, and how um, we can sustain communities, especially from the smallest unit, which is the family level. Now then we can build from there upwards. So sustainable food systems and sustainable uh, pathways to food security are very much possible. It's, it's something that we are, in fact working working towards especially in the communities that we work with in, in western kenya right now we are building farmers and, and farmers that are resilient we are building farms that are resilient and we are building communities that understand first of all the, the dangers that they are facing and what they can do to be able to deal with these situations. So I believe I strongly believe the short answer would be I strongly believe that these sustainable pathways are possible. And it starts with the small older farmers, especially when we're talking about agriculture and going upwards to the large scale uh, production and so on. And obviously to matters such as food waste or food loss and and so on. But really these pathways are very much possible,
0: Jeff. Yes, um, Stephen, you've mentioned something that I think uh, we should point out, especially that now you are in the field. Uh, and I can say confidently you are at the front lines addressing uh, climate change and um, trying to give intervention. We have global efforts and also regional efforts and national efforts to achieve sustainable development, especially goals to uh, uh, for ending hunger and poverty and um, to enhance responsible also uh, consumption and production practices. Your organization is, um, you know, as you mentioned, providing small and middle-income farmers with uh, farm management and business modeling services to turn into sustainable agriculture. How do you think we can leverage now on technology in agriculture as an adaptation tool in building climate resilient uh, agriculture to increase productivity and resilience across the region?
1: Now, um, as, as I said that. The nature of Africa's agriculture, and I think this is very important for us to to put into consideration when uh, discussing these things, is is very very fragmented, right? And, and as such, um, it becomes a very unique bunch of group to to help and support port when it comes to you know mitigating the effects of climate change, and therefore um, technologies become even more important to be employed for the purposes of not just integrating farmers, but communication, very fast real time communication, uh, data collection and analysis, as well as distribution of information and knowledge. So technologies, I feel um, the first uh, key bit or rather key place where they can play, it would be to disseminate information, awareness um, in a manner that is more timely and, and more efficient and more consistent. And, and by so doing, then we would be reaching way more farmers and stakeholders than any other form that we could use initially. And, and at the same time, we would be encouraging discourse and discussion on how uh, we can mitigate these you know, unlikely or unpleasant effects of climate change. So I, I would say for us right now, we're using technologies to be able to date, collect data through our agents, and we also Putting technology at the hands of farmers to be able to manage their farms, whether it's record keeping, you know, the basic sales cost sort of sort of analysis, but that also gives us an eye in, into how the farmers, you know, are carrying out the activities. Whether whether those farmers are carrying out their their production activities according to the recommended ways of doing things, whether they're using harmful agrochemicals and so on. So technologies give us the level of data and understanding of the farmer's daily activities that um, no other form would would give. And and as such, technologies have the power to be able to create a a, a consistent monitoring and evaluation method, as well as a communication method for, for for us or rather for the stakeholders that are very, very serious and engaged in the system to be able to communicate to farmers, to reach farmers, as well as to know what the data is saying and and to be able to do meaningful projections or rather, projections that can be relied on, especially in an industry that is fast changing and in an industry that is very, very, like I mentioned, fragmented. So I think technologies can be used those various reasons obviously among more and obviously it will depend on the level of technology like we use basic technologies like such as bulk sms mobile technologies Uh, we use uh, training tools such as smart projectors and, and video content and so on while you know you you will understand that other organizations that are more advanced will use Um, satellite technologies and so on, to be able to uh, do predictive observations and and stuff like that. So I I would say that in the basic level communication, data collection analysis um, and and so on, while in the more advanced machine learning and AI can be used to be able to predict even on a larger scale and can be used to prepare, not just small communities, but nations and regions um, in time in times of unexpected calamities. and I think the drought in the northern Kenya region and I think in, in the in the northern COVID already is is a good example of a calamity that uh, could be seen from far and, and people can prepare uh, and, you know adequately for the, for the same. So I think that for me would be the most efficient application of technologies. Uh, in this space.
0: Uh, thank you, Stephen. Uh, you are mentioning something uh, much more to do with highly uh, uh, warning systems that uh, you've put in place and especially um, in your organization. In that context, um, there are organizations such as yours and other uh, organizations across Africa that are working on adaptation. Uh, In terms of climate financing and support of of such organizations, and uh, you could use uh, your organization maybe as a a case study for this uh, conversation, how do you find uh, the climate financing directed towards adaptation and supporting adaptation coming forth out of the frameworks that we have, such as the COP26 uh, and going back to Paris agreement and the NDCs? Do you think that you are getting enough support and um, the direction that we need to take in that regard?
1: I would, I would really say no, and and the reason would be that that particular space, the climate financing space, is not uh, democratized enough, right? And and it it is it, it is only um, sort of uh, um, access limited sort of thing and and for people like ourselves that work with farmers on a daily basis and not, don't really get to get into the boardrooms um, where most of these um, deals are being done might not really benefit and i'm not just speaking for myself i'm speaking for the startups that are in this space startups that uh, want to pay more attention to the field work than than the than the boardroom work we find ourselves disadvantaged because even though we are doing our work and we're putting our work out there and, and we more often than not make applications for these finances, we really, really get consider- consideration for one for reasons that we do not uh, maybe understand. But I, but I would say this, whether whether we get um, this um, financing or not, I think one, one thing, something has to give. So at some point, uh, the democratization of that space needs to happen for more, you know, spread out work to be achieved, for more field work to be sponsored, and and for really farmers to be rich And, and I'm not talking just about, you know, farmers. I'm talking about um, different agro ecosystems that need support, whether it's agroforestry and the like, that need support from climate uh, financing. So we have in the past, as the, the company looked at very diverse uh, ways of of including our farmers in into the space whether it was you know um working work in the nft space right now for instance or working in the climate credits and and so on so yeah. carbon credits that that is and so on I, I would say we need to do more including just including ourselves as startups we need to do more to bring these opportunities to our farmers and that That I think is our core responsibility to be able to bring these resources and and initiatives to our farmers and for them to be able to participate. Because we know like there's no achieving those um, ambitious goals in the Paris agreements and so on without the involvement of of these communities that uh, we are serving right now. So our our job as startups and and by extension the financials is to be able to bring these very important group or groups into the table and, and for them to participate actively and for them to be supported and financed, to be able, whether it's to build, you know, agroecosystems sustainable agroecosystems and so on. So so for, for, for us to be able to achieve these uh, very ambitious goals, which I believe are strong, strongly that are very much achievable. So I would, I would say the support isn't enough and, and we need to do better and faster, obviously, for us to be able to achieve these these targets
0: and uh, as a follow-up steve uh to that question um or, or rather to your comment in your opinion what are the existing gaps in terms of policies that africa can address to steer the adaptation are the you know and at the same time uh try to alleviate our poverty
1: I, I would say this yeah um first of all i have i have um sort of taken my time and read. Uh, some of those agreements at the courts uh-huh. um, and and i i, I do say this they, they're very nice they're very nice they're very good they' are a very good step towards the right direction yeah but in the African context and and I'm, and I'm i believe that this now makes a lot of sense when i say that africa is actually not a country right and and we keep saying that it, it's a continent and and this continent is is made of so many countries yeah and, and as such, these countries do not just need to sign or rather pen their sign signatures to these documents. They need to sort of develop localized policies in in their national contexts to be able to, you know, um, actualize or implement the larger scale of of, of whatever they are agreeing to. And as such, I think the first step would be for countries themselves to develop, you know, localized policies and, and adopt them. Right, whether whether it's building those particular ecosystems that I'm talking about, whether it's just just simple and straightforward ones like increasing the forest cover in a country and so on, and not just you know make declarations and and so on, but really like go for and 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 make sure that those happen. Fund 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 startups, fund communities, fund organizations, whether those are NGOs or government organizations, to be able to implement those particular policies and and targets. And I I would say the other one would be um, right now, like you mentioned, countries are fighting against poverty and anger and at the same time they're fighting against climate change. Mm -hmm. And and to be honest, um, in in Africa mostly, people fail to understand what we have done to the climate change for it to be so cruel, right? Mm -hmm. Because the people that are suffering the most from, from climate and climate change and its impact I have people that have the least to do with it, and as such, it's it's even even when we in our know, messaging and our communication, our farmers don't understand why why them why why Africa particularly has to suffer the most, and and as such, these African countries and, and nations and, and organizations need to sort of have an an accountability question to countries or companies that are contributing the most yeah. and telling them to, you know, amend their ways and, and and also sort of pay up because obviously you have been profiting from it. Okay. The, the fair thing is to pay up, right? And Or, or just, you know, correct the situation as, as it is right now. And I would say the, the must is uh, financing among themselves, not just expect, you know, uh, fund funds to be raised from elsewhere, and, and for them to be to spend it to for climate mitigation, even within those um, tight budgets, they need to raise financing between themselves, to 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 make sure that there is, um, you know, development and and adopter, ad, ad, adoption of those policies that uh, we are talking about. And, and the other important bit, and I think Kenya has done very well in that aspect, is to tap into renewable sources of energy. Because even though other people are playing into, you know, climate change, we need ourselves to be able to look at what we do that could com- contribute to the same, right? And as such, I think adopting renewable sources of energy, such as solar energy and wind and wind power, are very, very important, right steps to be able to, you know, sustainable development because all these countries that we are talking about are trying to strive their level best to have to develop right to go towards the left developed countries and by so doing sometimes we do so at the expense of you know our 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 environment and and as such sustainable development should be at the core of i think every single development policy that we have uh, for, for us to be able to to know not make aggravate or rather make the situation even worse. The other one would wow. be the restoration of degraded land. And I think this is this is very important. And I think governments, especially I think in Kenya right now, the government is talking very much about how we can restore forests, uh, riparian lands, and, and so on yes. to be able to, you know, reverse back the, the, the impacts that the negative impacts that we have caused ourselves is through human activities. So I I would say all these plus other ecosystem-based adaptations are necessary for for African countries to be able to, you know, mitigate the situation and and to localize um, the climate change drives rather than them just being global drives that rarely have local impact in in our communities.
0: And uh, talking about our communities and localized uh, interventions, um, you will agree with me that majority of the people who are affected are the uneducated masses who do not know about these uh, policies that we have and uh, you know are practicing um, subs- subsistence farming, which is uh, at the moment, uh, and you will agree with me, is facing a decline in terms of productivity. How then do you think we can bring to the front line everybody, especially in tackling a climate change in the agricultural sector?
1: Okay. Um, That's a very good question, Jeff. And I I would say this, yeah? I agree with you that the most people, or rather people that are affected the most are smaller farmers that most of the time are uneducated or do not have that level of education to understand how climate change and and so on comes to be. And as such, um, there, there are so many diverse ways that climate change is affecting agriculture, whether it's soil health, whether, whether it's um it's reduced production and famine and reduced rains and, and erosion and, and all manner of things. Whether it's I, I would say for us right now, I think the best way and, and the best thing that we, we are able to do right now has been to educate. And as such, we don't just educate about whether climate change is real or not. I think we most of the time we have less deniers of climate change in Africa than elsewhere, right? Because we feel it and we experience it on a daily basis. So it's unlikely that someone will be a denier here. But we also are teaching farmers and training them on how to, you know, handle agricultural production because they have to eat and we have to eat uh, on how to handle production in these trying and difficult times. And, And I'm talking about initiatives such as that they use, the use and adaptation of regenerative agriculture, for instance, soil health um, interventions, the water conservation, right, intercropping, and and other systems that have been proven to to work in increasing food production. So our job has been, first of all, to help educate farmers on how climate change is affecting them and how they can you know mitigate and, and still produce food. At the same time, while while you know taking care of the environment, whether that is protection of uh, water catchment areas, whether that is soil health and and use of soil friendly uh, agrochemicals and and regenerative agriculture and so on, and that's this is where exactly where most of the financing and support needs to go to farmers for them to be able to you know adopt some of these technologies and and new interventions for them to be able to you know produce more and not just produce more but ensure that there's sustainable production in the longer in the longer term so i would would say that to me would be the shortest answer to to your question
0: okay uh thank you steven um Stephen it has been pleasure having you as our guest today at the Climate Linker podcast spotlight. A very special appreciation for your time and sharing your insights in smart agribusiness.
1: Thank you very much Jeff. It has
0: been a wonderful time and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, do this again over and over. Welcome. Uh please join us on our free digital platform to continue this discussion, build your global climate network and to access a wide range of climate resources and finally don't forget to register for the upcoming climate link up africa event on the first and second november we are excited and looking forward to having everyone on board welcome